0: Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Shot. Thank you, Scott Keezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and SoundCloud. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. Coming up later... I'll talk to New York State Public High School Athletic Association Executive Director Dr. Robert Zayas about the organization's task force decision to delay the start of the high school sports season in the fall. Well, Week 1 of the Saratoga Meet is in the books, and Week 2 is underway, and to talk about that is our man at the track, Gazette Sports writer Mike McGannum. Mike, how's it going up there?
1: Pretty good. Um, we're taping this on Wednesday, and I started my day off by watching a Hawk um steal a baby bird out of a robin's nest in the rafters of the turf terrace, uh, <laughs> restaurant. So, uh, there's some predatory, uh, behavior going on here. It was a little unsettling to see that, uh, right off the rip, but hey, everybody's got to eat. So, um, so it's all good. <laughs> well, obviously, you no know,
0: fans, they can, they can die the place all themselves.
1: They pretty much do. I mean, this this hawk has been all over the place, and uh, we've been dodging. I mean, it's it's wonderful to sit in the turf terrace. It's kind of a cool place because it's open air. As long as you know, we, we we weren't out here when it was in the '90s over the weekend. But um, you know, you can everything's right in front of you. You just got to dodge uh, some some pigeon guano every once in a while. But other than that, um, it's, it's a cool. But it's just strange not to hear the crowd. We're kind of getting used to it by now, and. There was a forty five to one bomb that just won named Manifest Destiny, and the groom and the trainer were um making enough noise to to compensate for the lack of uh, fifteen thousand people but when you when you're forty five to one and you and you win at saratoga you you know you're certainly uh well within your rights to to get loud all of a sudden so um but yeah, we're kind of chugging along here with no fans, and um you know they did let some owners in um the first day was last Friday I think they had a total of 32 people that, that came in um who had horses running on the card so um they, and they're putting them in picnic tables in, a, in an area out by the paddock the, the grandstand and the clubhouse still aren't open and won't be um so they could kind of have this holding area for for the owners and uh and they are allowed to come in uh um a limited number of them are allowed to come in so a couple of them have been taking advantage of it each day since friday
0: well you said you're getting used to the no fans there but was it startling at first on opening day
1: um well we had experienced it when we went down to the belmont stakes which that was strange and you know but up here the, the crowd presence is such a big part of the saratoga experience for everybody that there's just like this void there that you're used to um you know, used to having and, and seeing and hearing and, and, you know, working around to some degree. I will say that uh, uh, the lack of traffic on <laughs> Union Avenue to get onto the track has is, is certainly been welcome. And, uh, you know, it's it's been pretty comfortable for us working up here without having to deal with, the, you know, walking through crowds and, and dealing with traffic. And you can get around in the morning and get in and out um, to the barns and, and not have to wait. Um, you know, uh, so there are certain luxuries or enjoying, enjoy. of course, you know, the, the trade-off isn't something that you, that you want to have, but, um, you know, uh, it, it, it's kind of become routine not to see anybody here, you're, you're just like, okay, this is the new normal, and and uh, just deal with it and move on.
0: Well, the one thing that's, I, I think I've been impressed with the most, Mike, I mean, obviously, nobody's on, on the track there to bet, but the all-sources handle, I mean, it, it's going through the roof, I think Sunday set a record.
1: Yeah, they, um, um, for the first four days of the meet, Thursday through Sunday, they drew over $80 million in all-sources handle, which was up 9.4% from the same four-day stretch last year. And I know opening day the weather was kind of lousy last year, and if the weather's been good up here. You know, not that that has anything to do with people showing up, but it means that turf races stay on the turf, and, and you know, um, so... Naira was correct in their assumption or belief that racing up here instead of Belmont would be very lucrative for them uh, from a betting standpoint. And, you know, you you hear about all these viewing parties and stuff, and people are kind of um, making their own accommodations to watch the races. And, you know, betting on them doesn't change just because you're not here um and the racing's been pretty good and and pretty competitive you know it's been a little on the chalky side like it usually is but hey 45 to 1 uh hope you had it because i didn't um so yeah i mean they, they have to be pretty thrilled with um how the bettors have responded even if they're not on track and these days you know you can bet on your phone and your laptop and it's very easy and smooth and and uh you know, even watch the races on your phone. Uh, you know, you have got really great HD up here, and um, so it's doable, and people are doing it um, uh, to, 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 with large quantities of money yeah. so far.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just it's amazing to me, Mike. You know, I mean, I've been up here in this area almost 30 years now, and it just seems like nothing. You know, horse racing industry can be in flux and all that stuff, but when it comes to Saratoga, it just seems like it's it's Teflon it's just nothing nothing goes wrong with you know we I know we had the pandemic, but still if you know there's having records set on all, all sources handle it's it's just amazing to me that you know Saratoga continues to be uh the one shining spot in horse racing,
1: yeah, and a lot of it has to do with the atmosphere and kind of the built in you know culture that people have grown up with here and and um but it is the racing is the best in the country so and you know, a lot of good horses are uh, come here, and, and it's competitive fields, and it's kind of like it's. There's a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of ingredients here that would lead to to a strong handle, strong betting handle. Um, uh, so it, it has been pretty Teflon. Um, I think like if you look around the country, the higher end places are kind of gobbling up most of the betting handle. So anybody who was theorizing that you know racing being the only sport that was still operational while everything else is shut down that that would lead to um like more fans and you know newcomers and to the game and more people betting i i think some of the numbers i've seen don't really reflect that that's the case but once you get like saratoga starts cranking up that's going to gobble up you know whatever x number of dollars are being bet it's going to have a disproportionate um, fraction of the betting handle is going to be on Saratoga, um, so yeah, it's a pretty tough one. Um, I mean, nothing is you, you know never say never, but um, you know right now that the, the how much love people have for this place is certainly and, and betting on it is certainly reflected in the handle. We don't have any attendance numbers to go by, but <laughs> there is one huge metric that does kind of jump out at you, and that's yeah. the betting
0: handle. Yeah, so uh attendance is down one hundred percent, we know that. So uh, anyway.
1: Correct. Uh it's it's found infinity percent. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well Tis Law, the Belmont Sakes winner, uh had a nice workout on Friday, Mike, in preparation for the Travis Sakes. Uh it seemed like everybody was pleased with it with the way uh Tis Law worked out.
1: It was flawless, it was monster, he was in full beast mode. Um uh Heather heather small small I can spit that out um, that's the niece of um, assistant trainer Robin small and she's she rode him in the work on uh, last Friday and just came back gushing and and you know he's hard to pull off he there were horses out other horses on the track that he wanted to race when she's trying to get him to decelerate and you know, she had to, at some point, be the boss and say, okay, no, we we can go get them some other time, uh, but right now you're, you've done your job for the day. Um, just very smooth and methodical, fast. Um, before the work, Jack Knowlton, the Sakatoga Stable uh, operating uh, partner, um, he said we want him to go in a minute or 101 maybe, and he went in 59 and change and did it effortless, effortlessly. Um, galloped out very strong, came back, and, you know, the old cliche is he, he couldn't blow out a candle because he wasn't breathing hard afterwards, and, and just looked like a happy horse who enjoys his job and is in just crazy fit, you know, shape and, and just a monster right now. I mean, I don't see anybody beating him in the Travers in a couple weeks. Um, and the field, I do Not going to be real stellar based on where other horses are supposedly going and who's going to show up for the for the Travers. But um, I mean, the Sakatow people are not going to be complaining if he wins by you know six lengths again because or four and change whatever it was in the Belmont because they just want to win the Travers. um, And if he does it easily, that's fine too. Um, You know, there's there's a bunch of local people in that ownership group, and winning the Travers would be very meaningful for them um, so I, he looks pretty unbeatable and untouchable right now at that, based on that work and it was his first aggressive work like the first two published workouts that are listed on echo Base after the Belmont those were just to get him back in swing I think they weren't trying to really do too much but they were trying to get him going for this one and he fully responded.
0: I think the only thing uh, Tislaw can't do is be on stop signs in Saratoga uh, Springs
1: not anymore, as Inspector Clouseau would say. Um, yeah, we had, it was a fun little story we did there for a couple couple days where um, the local resident, um, Bob Giordano, got his 15 minutes of fame when he when he put some Tis the Law signs up underneath uh, some stop signs at his intersection. So they say, stop, always and then tis the law underneath just to, you know, that little extra mi- reminder that uh, you are supposed to come to a full, complete stop at the intersection. Um, but then uh, the city put the kibosh on that after a couple days, and, and apparently they've been taken down now. And I think the, the company that, that fabricated these signs for him are offering to sell more, to make more, and some of the money is going to go to a charity. Um so it still has a little bit of legs, but in the meantime, that intersection the, is back to the uniform, normal stop, always, and end
0: of story. Oh, come on, Springs—they're having a little fun here. Come on! Oh,
1: <laughs> well, they let him have it up for a couple, couple days, and, and he got you know there are pictures all over the place. So I mean that. He, he milked it for what it was worth, and in the meantime, I mean, we can't have rampant lawlessness in Saratoga Springs, even if there's nobody at the track, there's still a lot of people downtown to some degree, and um, we just can't have this lawlessness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's take a look at the uh, three-year-old picture in general. Chad Brown uh, wants to run Peter Pan, winner of uh, uh, Country Grammar in the Travers, and Authentic on Saturday uh, won the Haskell, but uh, barely won the Haskell.
1: Yeah, um, and apparently he got a little, he was playing around a little bit and kind of lost um, track of what his job was supposed to be and almost let the New York traffic get him at the wire. But he won, and, and it was, you know, I mean, he's, he's one of the ones out there. Now, he won't be running in the Travers. Um, not sure where he's going to go next, you know, from a spacing standpoint. There's still a couple couple spots on the calendar, like, for instance, the Ellis Park Derby, um, uh, let me see if I can scare up when that is, it's not on Travers Day, Uh, oh yeah, it's the day after the Travers Ellis Park Derby, and other than that, you've got this shared belief race at Delmar, that Honor AP, who's, you know, universally regarded as at least the second best three-year-old in the country, he'll be running there in California. And then there's a race called the Pegasus at Monmouth Park on August 15th, and that'll do it for the Kentucky Derby points uh, races and the Travers being a, you know, a very big one on that list. Um, so, so we won't see authentic up here. Um, but Chad Brown's, uh, country grammar horse is pretty lightly raced. He wants to bring him right back in three weeks. Um, and, uh, Max Player, I believe, is, the, is another one of the bigger name horses that is looking at the Travers. Um, so, you know, Baffert still has Uncle Chuck out there who's um, highly regarded, um, and we might see him in the Travers. Uh, he's, again, another lightly raced one, but, but he's kind of like the third bench for Baffert. I mean, he's had horses like Nadal who are not racing anymore, and Charlottens on the shelf until at least the Preakness and, uh, but he, he still keeps coming up with the stuff. So Uncle Chuck, maybe we'll see him in the Travers. Um, so Baffert will probably have a presence here. Yeah,
0: uh, The CCA Oaks, uh, Paris Light out Crystal Ball to win that and it's headed to the Alabama.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know if they're both going to go. I, we don't know about Crystal Ball, but Paris Light's for sure. Bill Maher wants to take her to the Alabama. Um, it was kind of interesting, and I asked him after the race if there was any deja vu to a couple of years ago because. Uh, two years in a row, including it's 2017 CCA Oaks, um, Abel Tasman and Elate, who's trained by, uh, Mott and Abel Tasman is trained by Baffert, got in, like, banging away stretch duels in that race and then in the 2018 personal incident. And I was wondering if, if, um, Bill had a little deja vu to those two, that both of which he lost, and they were pretty out- outraged when uh, they didn't take down Abel Pasman in the personal ensign, particularly. Um, and he said, actually, no, it was kind of strange because uh, the, the two jockeys are um, carrying, wearing the same uh, stable silks in the uh, CCA Oaks on, uh, this, this past weekend. Uh, it was a Windstar um, LLC thing that they set up, and they, so they're, they're both wearing identical silks. So Those kind of weird, you know, almost like training partners in the morning kind of thing. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, Paris Lights should come back in the Alabama. Um, not sure who else will, will be there. I'm not sure if Baffert's Crystal Ball will come back, but um, be a pretty good rematch if she did because they were they were uh, going at it all the way down the stretch.
0: So what are we looking forward in week two?
1: Um, quiet's down a little bit. I mean, coming up this weekend, um, we got the Alfred Vanderbilt, and, a, and I'm a big fan of this horse, Whitmore. Um, supposedly he's going to run in there, um, and then also the Boston Spa on Saturday, and then we've got the Bernard Baruch, which is always a really good, um, uh, turf. It was a mile for a while there, and then they, it looks like they lengthened it back out to a mile and 16, so a good turf, uh, Race. but generally, kind of this might be the most quiet Saturday of the meet in terms of fireworks and, and big name races and stuff like that. Uh, you know, they, Naira for a few years now has really tent-pulled their good stuff on Saturdays and Sundays, and a little bit on Friday. The middle of the week is a little, um, you know, is certainly lighter as far as uh, you know fireworks. But um, and then the following weekend is is Whitney. Uh, day, and that's going to be really good, and, and uh, you know, personal ensign is that same day as the Whitney, August 1st, and uh, this weekend, we're going to try to get up here and see if we can get some, some fresh photos of Midnight Sue who will be running in the personal ensign. Uh, she gets, she goes out onto the track at 5.30 in the morning, so we're going to, Saturday, if she's working, we're going to try to get here and, and see what she's up to these days, um, so Whitney weekend, the following weekend, is looking like total blockbuster. They moved the Allen Jerkins to that day as well, usually on Travers Day. Um, So this weekend is a little little on the quiet side. Like I said, I would like to be interested to see Whitmore running the Vanderbilt, um, see what he's up to these days. Um, And uh, we'll kind of like snoop around to see who's working this weekend Uh, Tis the law of worked on Friday last weekend we'll see if he does it again we are supposed to get some some rain on Thursday some thunderstorms and stuff but um Friday through Sunday uh looks like really really good weather so we can look forward to that yeah we am never going to complain about that
0: not at all we should give a shout out to a gazette photographer Erica Miller who does a great job up there at Saratoga he sure does so good yep. job by Erica, Mike. Well, we can follow you on Twitter at uh, Mike underscore McAdam. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining me. We'll do this again next week.
1: My pleasure. I'll be here. Maybe not a lot. Probably a lone soul on an island, desert island. But uh, I'll be here every day. So. Maybe, maybe that and hawk.
0: Maybe, maybe, keep an eye on stuff. Maybe, maybe that hawk will join you. Who? <laughs> that hawk.
1: Oh, I don't want that guy near me. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's had his fill for Wednesday. Uh, I've seen him around a lot, actually. So he's had the, the run of the place with no people. I, I think he, he's a little more aggressive and, and um, you know, not worried about uh, showing himself around here. Cause it's just <laughs> us, a couple, couple writers, <laughs> not bothering him. <laughs> well,
0: I appreciate it again, Mike. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you, Ken. Okay, up next, New York State Public High School Athletic Association, the Executive Director, Dr. Robert Sands talks about the organization's task force decision to delay the start of the high school sports season in the fall. You're listening to the Party Shots Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and
2: SoundCloud.
0: Saratoga horse racing fans want a chance to win a $50 gift certificate? Then play the Daily Gazette Saratoga Pick 7. Pick your horses that score the most points in the first seven races at Saratoga Racetrack. The winner receives a $50 gift certificate to either an area eating establishment, hardware store, golf course, bookstore, or wine and liquor store. To see the list of establishments participating, pick up a copy of the Daily Gazette. To play, Go to pick7.dailygazette.com and make your picks 15 minutes before post time the day of the race. The Saratoga Pick 7 contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not affiliated with the Daily Gazette Sports
2: Department. I'm Dr. Howard Zucker, New York State's Health Commissioner. I'm calling on all New Yorkers to do their part to slow the spread of coronavirus. Everyone, even young people and those who feel well, stay home. If you must go outside, stay six feet from others. This will ensure everyone who needs hospital care can get it. This virus spreads even without symptoms. Stay home and stay safe. Be apart now so we can all be together later. Stay informed at health.ny.gov coronavirus.
1: Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports writer Jim Schultz. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Shot. Welcome back to the
0: podcast, and thanks for
1: listening. Last
0: Thursday, the New York State Public High School Athletic Association announced that it was delaying the start of the fall sports season to September 21st. It was also announced that there won't be any regional and state championships for the fall sports teams. To talk about that decision, and while all lies ahead, we welcome NYSPHSAA Executive Director, Dr. Robert Zayas. Dr. Zayas, welcome back to the podcast. Hope you're staying safe and all is well. Yeah, appreciate you having
3: me on. Thanks, sir about as good as they can be at the moment. Yeah,
0: I appreciate you coming on here. I know you've been busy with a lot of this stuff with the task force. So what led to the decision? Uh, was it important to make it now instead of waiting till maybe August? Yeah, you know, I started to
3: identify that that we needed to provide some guidance and some recommendations to our schools as they're preparing to reopen. Um, with all of the challenges and all the obstacles that they have before them from an academic setting, I I felt that it was only fair to go ahead and hit the pause button for athletics. Let's get students into their new school setting with the new academic uh, environment that they're going to have to learn in, and then hopefully we'll take about two weeks to allow that to sink in, and then we can go ahead and, and start with the fall athletic season is the goal at this point in time.
0: I guess a lot is also there's the assumption that they will be back on campus, will be back in class, but what if they're not? Well, I think that's something that we have to uh, prepare for. And I think one
3: thing that I've learned over the course of the last four or five months throughout this entire pandemic and trying to address the crisis as it rapidly develops is, try not to predict anything too far in advance. Um, One of the methods that I've been using is, let's look at the readily available information that we have today and then make decisions and recommendations and provide guidance based upon that readily available information. But to attempt to start predicting what would happen and and how we would go ahead and counter different scenarios, uh, I mean, I think it it sometimes becomes very difficult. Um, The New York State Education Department released a 145-page document that school districts are going through right now devising their plan for reopening. The Department of Health also released a 23-page document on July 13th. And in two cases within that DOH document, it did reference interscholastic athletics. And it does say at this point in time, interscholastic athletics
0: are on hold. What has the reaction been around the state? You know, I think we've certainly, I mean, any any decision that we make
3: as an association is always going to be met with mixed feelings. I mean, at no point in time, I think, I mean, I've been doing this nearly 20 years, uh, nine as an executive director. I don't know if any decision I've ever made has 100% approval by for any, any one group or um, any one decision. I don't, I don't ever consider that to be the goal. Um, I try to set achievable goals, and it's never my goal to please 100% of the population. I would say, though, that, that for the most part, school districts have been appreciative of the pause. I would also say that some parents don't understand why we are pausing fall sports to September 21st. Some parents haven't read through all the documentation. They haven't read the 145-page document that I just released to truly understand what school districts are encountering as they
0: attempt to reopen this fall. Yeah, I look, uh, my home state of Pennsylvania, the PIAA, just announced, uh, I think in the last week, that they're going, they're going to start right on time. Uh, we read a story on Wednesday's Gazette that the Texas uh, football is going to delay their start for the big schools. And I just read a story in the Washington Post where uh, Montgomery County in Maryland, uh, their school district not only canceled the fall sports season, but they already canceled the winter sports season. So you, you look around at some of the surrounding you know, states like Maryland, like uh, Pennsylvania, I mean, how difficult was this decision Me uh, trying to weigh that, yeah, you want to have these kids play, but you, at the same time you want to be safe? Well, I mean,
3: I think any decision that we make, we're always cognizant of the fact that we're making decisions on behalf of almost 600,000 student athletes and any decision of that magnitude is going to have major ramifications for not just students, but schools and their families. So we take each decision very carefully. Um, I I do find it interesting. I mean, I receive a number of emails every single day from parents um, who are questioning our decision, criticizing it, and that's just the the way this, this line of work goes. I don't ever have a problem with that, but you know, I do find it interesting when you, when you look at what's happening in other states and then try to model that and say that that, that should be what we're doing here in New York. That's not the way that it works. Um, and I was just on a conference call with every other executive director in the country yesterday afternoon and had the opportunity to hear from uh, colleagues of mine in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Texas, California. And everybody is facing the same type of problem, but in a different way. And here in New York, the Department of Health has said interscholastic athletics is on hold until further guidance is given and additional guidance is forthcoming. We have no definitive timeline from state officials as to when we're going to be able to start back up for interscholastic athletics. Some other states have been working closely with their state officials. They have different infection rates. They have different data that they're examining. And they're able to start based upon their guidance and their recommendations restrictions. So although we're all dealing with the same crisis, we're all dealing with it in a little bit of a different way, depending upon where we're located geographically throughout the United States.
0: And of course, you see the, Eric, colleges like here, at U Albany, uh, union RPI either postponing or canceling the fall sports. So, I mean, it seems like everybody's making decision with, with the health of everybody in mind. It's, it's amazing. That some people don't get that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and you got to appreciate the people's
3: passion, you know, and, and enthusiasm for high school sports, and that's one thing that I always try to look at the positive side of things and look at it as the glass being half full rather than half empty is you know, if I wasn't receiving any concerns then that would mean that really high school sports didn't didn't mean a lot to a lot of people. And I think, you know, to see the concerns and to see the enthusiasm that people have for wanting to return high school sports, wanting to get high school football started as soon as possible, wanting to get soccer and field hockey and cross country going and volleyball, I mean that's encouraging and I'm right there with them. But as you just said, we have to do it in a safe manner and we have to abide by the guidance that we're receiving from state officials. And I think I, I really do I believe we're going to have athletics in the upcoming school year. I just don't know when that will be and the extent of the participation that we'll be able to provide. But right now here, uh, as of today, we're starting fall sports on September 21st unless something changes, and we'll continue to examine that.
0: Talk about the plans uh, if the fall season does get started and then there's a delay in it because of the pandemic. I think you're talking about that. Three uh, tiers of sports maybe things started in the winter. Yeah, I mean, if we do have an interruption
3: to the fall sports season, as we're planning to start on September 21st, then we could go and pivot and move to what we refer to as option B or a condensed season. And what that means is we would put the fall, winter, and spring seasons all in a condensed, abbreviated fashion starting in January. So we could start off with winter sports season in early January, run that for 10 weeks then potentially start fall sports in early March, run that for 10 weeks, and then start the spring sports in the latter part of the spring semester for schools, um, and then try to give every student the opportunity to participate in their sport of choice in the upcoming school year. However, and I emphasize, however, by saying the condensed season is not perfect. At no point in time is anything we're going to do this upcoming school year Perfect and without issues and obstacles to overcome. But when you look at the, over, over, uh, the condensed season format, we do have an overlapping season. We can't add more weeks to the month of May. If we could have eight weeks in the month of May, a lot of our problems would be solved. Unfortunately, that's just not possible. Inclement weather certainly pre- presents a major problem with the condensed season format. And then we also have multi sport athletes that may have to make a choice towards the end of one season and the beginning of another if we can't reduce that overlap in some form or fashion. And along those same lines, we also have officials and coaches that either officiate or coach multiple sports and then would be put in a tough predicament when it comes to the overlapping of seasons. So instead of having 10-week seasons, maybe it'd be more appropriate to have an 8-week season. Instead of ending in mid-June... Maybe we could go to late June. So that's what I'm saying is that the dates are tentative right now. The template is there for us to utilize, but we have to be willing to be flexible. We have to be willing to compromise, and we have to be willing to revise and amend our proposals and our thinking as the information develops.
0: If that scenario takes place, does that mean no state, no regional state championships again? That's- yet to be determined because depending
3: upon infection rates depending upon the data depending upon the social distancing and the mass gathering restrictions that we would have placed upon us maybe state championships wouldn't be appropriate but maybe we could have some type of a culminating event maybe we could have regionals and then an upstate downstate championship Uh, maybe we could just end at the regional level and that would be a huge accomplishment in a time period like this to be able to have a regional championship so so much is dependent upon the data and the, the guidance that we receive from state officials and that's really the reason why I mean I, I met with all of our sport coordinators yesterday and I asked them to just be patient and allow things to develop and we'll address them as they come. It does nobody any good to get frustrated or upset or surprised today because the question I asked, what are we gonna do tomorrow? Because the last four months have, have really told me one thing is things are going to change, they're going to change quickly, and we can't get too upset today because Uh, Tomorrow will be a new day, probably with its own set of challenges and obstacles to overcome.
0: What's the role of the uh, task force moving forward?
3: The role of the task force that we put together, we've met three times, is to continue to provide guidance and recommendations to our membership and our 11 sections. I feel like the task force has done a very good job of of examining uh, the way things are developing and then making recommendations and providing guidance based upon that information. Um, I see the task force playing a critical role as we get school underway. I'm working on a document right now, in fact, about trying to provide some information to schools for some of those things that they need to consider as they're starting their athletic program back up, such as uh, social distancing, sanitizing, hygiene, locker room use, um, transportation for athletes, different things like that. Now, a lot of that is contingent and dependent upon Department of Health and state official guidance, but I think we can take some of those recommendations from pre-published documents from uh, the CDC, our national governing body, and things that our own state officials have already put out, and try to put it together in a collective document to help our schools.
0: Well, Dr. Zayas, appreciate a few minutes to talk about that, and uh, hopefully uh, September 21st rolls around, we'll actually have um, some high school sports to talk about. Hey, that's the goal. You know, I think everybody
2: needs to stay
3: safe and stay positive right now and uh, let's monitor things and, and uh, the, my number one focus right now is how can we get student athletes participating. We realize the value of participation, it's what I do every single day, wake up thinking about it and go to sleep thinking about it, so I think we, we just need to be patient and, uh, and focus on preserving all sports season and providing that, those 562,000 student-athletes the opportunity to participate in some form or fashion
0: in the upcoming school year. All right, appreciate it, Dr. Zayas. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast once again. We'll have talk soon. Hey, thank you so much. All right, we'll be back to wrap up the podcast in just a moment.
2: Hi, this is Miles Reed, editor of the Daily Gazette. These are difficult times. For most of us, the coronavirus crisis has been a time of unprecedented upheaval, uncertainty, and fear. What does it all mean for our health, our families, our jobs, and our futures? At the Daily Gazette, our journalists have been working tirelessly to answer these questions and many more that have come up during this whole pandemic. How many people have tested positive locally? How many have died? Has anyone died in the local nursing homes? Now, in these difficult times, we're turning to you to support our work by purchasing a subscription or making a donation to help fund our daily efforts. With your support, these are the questions we're continuing to report on. Every day, our reporters and photographers have been working the streets and the phones to answer these critical questions. And every day, they answer the bell with their timely and well-documented reports from the front lines in the region. Behind the scenes, the rest of our editorial team, including our sports writers, copy editors, and digital producers, have been wholly focused on covering the COVID-19 story. During this critical time, everyone here at the paper is working to provide important news and information to keep the community safe and connected. But our ability to serve our community is being threatened by some economic challenges posed by the pandemic, We have stay-at-home orders, business closures, and school shutdowns, and they're contributing to the massive instability in the local business landscape. Despite all of these changes, the Gazette will remain committed to serving the community for many years to come, just as we've been doing unfailingly for the past 125 years. So please go to thedailygazette.com and donate or purchase a subscription to the Daily Gazette. Thank you. Be well, and please keep reading.
0: Hey, NASCAR fans. It's time to rev up the engines and play the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. Each week during the 36-week racing season, you pick 10 drivers. If you have the week's best point total, you'll receive a $50 Hannaford gift card. If you have the best point total for the season, you'll win a $250 Hannaford gift card. Be part of the fun. Go to dailygazette.com slash auto Get your motor running and play today. Hi, this is Union Women's Hockey Coach Josh Skiba. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast, keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. Now that the state has reopened, that does not mean you should relax. Keep wearing them face masks while you're out. Be considerate. Be safe. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank Mike McAdam and Dr. Robert Zayas for coming on the show. The Parting Shots podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and SoundCloud. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot.com. That's S-C-H-O-T-T at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports, be smart, be smart, and stay safe.